Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 47. In tonight's episode, we're going to do a recap of the Krug, a recent tournament that the all the members of our team participated in, local here in Colorado. Uh, let me just tell you, in lieu of the fact that we have a lot to cover uh, over this episode, I'm going to forego doing an introduction but instead just recap the statistics related to this event. So the if you don't know, the Krug is part of a, is a Dire States event, part of the Four Corners circuit that's hosted with in the Southwest Meta of the United States. It includes states, New Mexico, Arizona, Utah, and of course, Colorado. Each of those states tends to host a large event once a year. And there is a fierce rivalry between the four states, well, at least three of the states, for victory and dominance. It's kind of the showcase or the highlight of our regional meta. And for Colorado in particular, the, the Krug is the longest standing infinity tournament in the United States. Its history and place in the scene is questionable, you might say. We've been known for debauchery and frivolous behavior, but in recent years, uh, we've taken our rightful place as competitive in the larger scene of infinity. So the Krug was hosted in the Embassy Suites in the Denver Tech Center Hotel, and there were uh looked like it ended up being 46 players in total who played of course the highest representative state was colorado with 16 players but new mexico came in second with six texas had six as well arizona represented with three california with two north dakota with two nevada with two utah with two wyoming two indiana one uh, maryland one maine one Missouri won, and South Carolina won. So a good event overall. Numbers were down a little bit over the previous couple years, but it was still quite a fun experience, and we are looking forward to debrief all of that with the larger Infinity community tonight. But before we get into all of that, we want to take a moment to thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of all things Infinity. As part of its sponsorship of MetaChemistry, Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons, as well as a $40 gift card that will be raffled off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page and join our Discord so that you are entered to win in that raffle. What's better than games? Mo Games. Okay, so... Let's check in with our lineup for our episode tonight. It's the whole cast uh, on the podcast tonight. Our lineup includes Devin, Azoka, Ian, and myself. So let's check in with Devin first. Devin, you are just a little bit removed from a fun event. You and your partner joined us with the Krug. How did it go? Your high, your high point reflections real quick. Yeah, it was a good time. I, uh, this was the first time that uh, my near wife, Melissa, was able to come and her first major infinity event. We've played 
uh, a couple small local events leading up to the Krug. Uh, but uh, she this was her up? first large experience. Yeah, and she did really, really well, which is great. All right. uh, I think she came, did in, she, do? she came in 18th, which was higher than three of us, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can we get her on yeah. the podcast? <laughs> I mean, probably should, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she told me she had a great time. Uh, all of her opponents were pretty fun. And she uh, is looking forward to coming back next year, most likely. But And uh, yeah, so this will be the second time that I've been to the Krug. And it was a great experience. I enjoyed everyone I played with. Uh, they were, I guess, tactical but laid-back games. And yeah, it was a great event. I, I look forward to continue coming back. And uh, Mark and, and those helping him have really put on a very solid event. So thank you very much to, to Mark Ripus for that. Whoop, whoop. Absolutely. And also on the podcast is Azoka. Chris, my man, you represented Colorado well. I did. I had to. How was your uh, event? Big picture. Oh, it was great. Big picture is phenomenal. I always love the Krug. It's very nice to be able to go out, have so much fun, and then drive home and sleep in my own bed. That is an underrated plus for sure. It it is. It's, uh, you know, in like, I've gone to uh, Utah twice uh arizona once and then oregon once and i'm planning on going to arizona again and just nothing nothing beats being able to go home and like get a good rest but uh uh outside of that the event itself overall was very fun had a lot of uh very tactical very good like well thought out games that required a lot of attention so i can very much appreciate that and I can definitely recognize that it gave me the opportunity to play at a high skill level, which is what I was looking for. So Great. I just phenomenal. Great. And then of course we've got Ian bringing it home. How is your event Ian? So while I did not place particularly well, it was like 25th. Um, I had a fantastic time. Like all five of my games were a ridiculous amount of fun. And the, uh, one thing that I can say is that the three games that I lost, like all of my opponents placed in the top 10. So I feel like even though I didn't place well overall in the rankings, like I feel like I was playing consistently well enough to keep getting paired against people that were placing in the top 10, like even in in my final round, which I'll get to in the, it's more of the detailed recap was uh, kind of a shock of, how high how high up uh my opponent was that i was fighting against and so that was kind of a kind of a cool thing i was still getting up into into that caliber of uh player even though i was not doing that great (laughs) yeah i hear you i hear you well i um i i gotta say i look forward to the krug every year and you know i uh for the last couple years we've been at embassy suites it is a more conventional setup with um, a hotel uh, halls that you get to play game in, people that can stay the night there. A number of our local folks ended up getting rooms just so they didn't have to bother with going home. And that makes a lot of sense given the fact that there's lots of revelry. Um, 
I do. I will admit I'm one of the few, probably very few that miss when we used to play at Hex Mill. Uh, it was just such a different experience, unique. And it just felt like a very Krug-esque kind of situation. But I understand from a logistical standpoint, um, can't do that. doesn't make as much sense. So uh, I miss my time. shots of breakfast whiskey. Yeah, the bre- the breakfast whiskeys, everyone showing up with like like cooler fulls of beer and liquor and it just food trucks and urinals that don't operate very well. I mean, it just <laughs> it was it just, and in hell, it was an experience. Yes, it was just like if you thought if you could like imagine what it would look like to have an uh, infinity event on a space cruiser that m- is constantly in motion with a bunch of anarchists that's like the krug for me right so i uh but you know what it's just you know you do enough of these events like azoka was just pointing out and you travel you get to see a lot of the people and you just start to build up these friendships over um the event after event and it ends up feeling like camp for adults and you just feel sad when it's over and everyone goes home and you just talk about when you're going to all get together the next one. So great times. Um, super fun. And I'm looking to forward to exploring it with you guys about how the games went. But it is camp for adults. It is camp for adults. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. We didn't get a hot tub this year to make man soup in. So I'm a little <laughs> sad about that. But uh, yes, the analogy is apt. Yes, for sure. <laughs> okay, so. Before we get into like a breakdown of the games and and don't you all worry about it. We're not going to get into the heavy details. We're just going to do some highlights. I do want to talk with you guys about how you prep for the Krug. We didn't end up doing a Krug prep uh, episode. Just didn't seem to fit with our schedule and ne- maybe not necessary. Um, so I thought I would just kind of kick it around. We can do a little bit of a free flowing conversation here where if we could just check in on how the lead of the to the krug went like what were you you looking to accomplish what faction were you bringing what was your strategy around list building for the event uh how much prep were you able to get in and how are you feeling going into the event Those, these are kind of the questions i'd like to explore with you and just as a preamble the mission lineup so that we're all on the same page was firefight, quadrant control, decap, supplies, and frostbite. So um I'll start with you, Azoka. Uh yeah, you had just come off of your trip to Oregon, Rose City Raid. Uh, you were a little bit disappointed where you finished, but you had a great time, obviously. And you had some things that you wanted to learn from and work on coming off that event. I'm curious how you were thinking about then prepping for the Krug with pretty quick turnaround for you. Yeah, it was, well, basically it boils down to Rose City Raid was the prep for the Krug. So uh, how I prepped for it was really just a lot of preparation for Rose City Raid. And then that just carried over. So like, we're going to talk about list building, right? But that's, that comes kind of into factor here. So I was list building and preparing for Rose City Raid and everything. And once I got 
a list that I was super comfortable and like happy with, which is kind of a bit of off meta, but I'll get into that later. The way that I just carried that over from Rose City Raid into the Krug really helped me. Like just more repetitions, as we have said before with the same list, helped me isolate like what was the good plays to make and then, you know, what units to use where kind of like help make that decision process a little easier. And then that was really a lot of it. And everybody was playing a whole lot. So it was really good to get a whole bunch of games in beforehand. So just as a reminder for our listeners, you were running Morats. Yep. And at both events, I was. Um, you had been playing uh, Onyx prior to that. And so you were pivoting off of that, trying to get a new experience, I think. And yeah. Will, give me your reflections on how Morats have been treating you and what you thought they brought to the table as it pertained to the mission lineup. So for me on Morats, uh, I was really interested in playing Morats after the revamp a little bit before, but that was mostly because they were bad, I, I guess. And I wanted to play it afterwards um, because they got a bunch of whole cool tools that I thought are super, super neat uh, that I wanted to play with. I just want to say you offended Ian by yes. saying uh, Morats were bad. It was intentional. They were, they were good before. They're better now. They're phenomenal now. And they're, it's, so, it's funny because I wanted to use specific profiles like Tyrock Hunter, Kyosak Killing Platoon, all of these super like sweet profiles. And I didn't use any of them. <laughs> so I just uh, I played... you used the Rindak, right? I did use the Rindak, yes. That thing, the... yeah, that thing is baller, by the way. We've talked about that, I think, on the podcast before. That that it's phenomenal. I love that piece. Yeah. Game uh we can get into the supplies match. They're great. They're really okay. They surprise me with how good they are. Although I guess it shouldn't be that surprising. But uh, so yeah, played more rats. And leading up to the Krug, I wasn't feeling really confident in my lists. And even I even had a little little like disheartening experience the night before of just changing up my list builds and whatnot. Because we'd been playing several months prior to Rose City Raid. And we had a couple of tournaments and I performed well and um, had very good success with the lists that I had up for. Well, really just for the one list that I had for Rose City for Morats, which was just two tags. It was the right show at Bull Track. And then, I don't know, after Rose City Raid and then several games afterwards, a game that we played on Friday night that I played against Tim that was just so much fun. I was just like, I don't know. I haven't been experienced like having a good like turnout with this stuff. I don't know what's going on, but uh, I chatted you're feeling with my, a little shook, huh? A little shook, yeah. Tim shook me. Actually, it was really a lot of Chainsaw stuff. has a way of doing that, but he shakes me in in the best of ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I decided, you know what? No, I'll stick with it. I'll just, you know, just ride it out. I don't. I think I perform worse when I make up something on the fly. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do that. And I did perform pretty well. I mean, I think that's a good lesson you learned from SLS, right? Like you, you had yeah. that, that list that you changed up right at the end, just for that one mission that went it to top table. And yeah, I think didn't go the way you wanted it to. 
um, and you kind of felt like I sh- you should have stuck with what you knew. Exactly. So I did it this time, and it worked out. Okay, well, we're going to get into um, uh, just how it worked out in a sec, but you feel like you got some good prep in then? You, like, you, you, you weren't going in hot in a mental state, but you had gotten some reps. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. Okay. How about you, Devin? You, uh, you were doing some list building for two people. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I gave some advice for, uh, for Melissa. She was playing Toha and, uh, uh, advice. I heard you wrote her list for her. And then when they didn't print advice, she couldn't print them out. So she, and you weren't around cause you were the one that it was in your name. So like I got them printed, they were there. <laughs> she had them. I didn't write the list for him. Uh, <laughs> these are these are slanderous lies. I don't know where you're hearing this from. I gave ample advice. That was it. I'm hearing but, is you need to play Toha. I mean, I have played Toha. It's been a while. <laughs> that was back in the Paradiso days when they came out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then I was playing OSS, and yeah, I. I figured I would be safe moving into the Krug. I knew Blackwind was coming out very close to the Krug. I'm like, all right, well, I'm not playing Steel Phalanx, so nothing to worry about. And then there were points increases to my list, which made them both invalid, like a week before. Yeah, we did. We Red. did break that down, didn't we? So that was cool. Um, I mean, for one list, it was okay because there was some shuffling that I could do. Uh, you know, I think it ended up basically being all right. Instead of taking a flashbowl spot, now it's a war core. There's my four extra points, done. But the other list, which was my Marut list, because I had to play a Marut because of the new model, and the Marut list, like, there just wasn't anything I could swap out without making significant changes. Like I'd have to drop something notable to f- get those points in. There, there was just nothing really to shave without taking out a key piece. And I was kind of experimenting with that list. It was kind of a, a heavy camo leaning Marut list, which sounds kind of weird, but it was neat to try out. And so it was probably for the best, but I ended up scrapping the list entirely, starting back over with a Marut and writing a new list. And so I probably played that twice before the Krug, maybe. So it wasn't the, the best practice I could have gotten necessarily, but it was some. Uh, but yeah, there were a couple local events, like, uh, 10, 15 person, uh, tournaments that we had one or two of leading up, uh, and then kind of weeknight games where we were just, we were playing those missions at least, uh, against various people locally. And so my non-Marut list, uh, I'd gotten, I don't know, probably eight or 10 games with. I would say something in that ballpark, but yeah, making some last minute changes were a little unfortunate, mostly just because I wasn't expecting to need any changes since I wasn't playing the affection that was directly affected, but got me again, Corvus. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and I got lots of painting progress done, which was fun. I, I didn't quite get everything completely finished, but everything you know, had color on it. Yeah, uh, but your so OSS nice. is looking sharp, dude. It looks great. Yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with them. Uh, and now I've 
got to pick up a new project soon. Not sure what that's going to be yet. I played uh, Tunguska at our last game night. And that was neat. Lots and lots of remotes. So, of course, I'm straying very far from my comfort zone there. And <laughs> yeah. You so have hacking. I... It's the same wheelhouse. <laughs> I know, right? It's uh, <laughs> basically the same, but red. So did you feel like you had enough uh, prep going in that you felt confident? Or were you feeling a little scattered because you were helping Melissa out a little bit? Like, I guess, what was your psychology going into the event? Did you have some aspirations or goals? You, we didn't get to talk about it, so I thought I'd sure. get it on record here. Yeah, so as far as that goes, um, like mostly there to to have a good time. And so as long as I don't have you know, really awful games with people that are kind of ruining the experience. That's kind of a win in my book. But generally speaking, from a performance perspective, uh, mostly I just kind of aim for a positive win rate, which I got this year. Uh, went three and two uh, and was kind of middle of the pack uh, at 22nd place, I believe. Uh, the Marut list, I wish I would have gotten a little bit more time with. But overall, um, I mean, I played it twice. I won once with it, lost once with it. Uh, the, the game I lost was against Polly Nikes, who took the event. And on a table that Dude, was, uh, yeah, the table was not very conducive to our game. <laughs> and uh, it it left things pretty vulnerable. And so, uh, yeah, so it was kind of a toss up. I don't know if getting many more games in would have helped in that specific situation. Um, so I think I was probably as prepared as I was going to be. I guess I'll put it that way. Uh, I mean, you can always take more time, but you know, at some point it's just not going to uh, have a measurable increase in results. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, finally, Ian, give us a quick uh, synopsis of your prep. What prep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Ian, I feel like your life has been going on oh, God, miles an hour. Yeah, my 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 Craig prep was a was a a dumpster fire flying downhill into a you know a, a, a garbage park. It was also on fire. Um, no, so it's just I got a whole bunch of stuff that ended up popping up um, all around me in my work life and personal life and stuff that uh, meant that I just didn't have a whole lot of time to practice for Krug. Uh, I did not get my stuff painted. It's like the first major tournament I have not been fully painted for in a long yeah, time. That too. And so I was a little disappointed there, but it is what it is. I got my prize support painted. So you're all welcome, whoever took that. Oh, it was beautiful. You got, I did a, a Night Santiago with Spitfire and came out pretty good. So somebody won that and I didn't remember who. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I was not able to get a whole lot of prep in. I did actually run two different lists this time because I always run one list. But with the mission format this time, um, it was kind of like I needed a mission for fro a list for Frostbite and I needed a mission, a list to do all the, the missions with objectives. So there were lots of those. Well, you know, supply. I needed one for supplies and one for uh, decap. It was a super killy mission set. Like, yeah, no, eighty no, percent of eighty percent of the objective points in the tournament were by killing, by That's, murder. 
That's like yes. table napkin nat- math. So don't if somebody goes and reads the missions, <laughs> like don't yeah. don't bother. No, I like I ran my like objectives list for supplies and decap. And the decap one, it was more like just because uh I have a camo lieutenant in that list, so it was easier to like hide my my lieutenant and just be like, "Yeah, you mm-hmm. know it's this, but have fun getting to it and then discovering it and then killing it." Totally. So that means that did not happen. So, haha. <laughs> uh, but I ran my frostbite list for firefight and quadrant control, and frostbite obviously. So. Uh, but yeah, with everything else going on, I kind of, I got maybe a total of five games in between the two lists. Um, was feeling fairly good about it because I was, I, I did, you know, against the local group of which we have some very good players. Uh, I was able to pull some very solid wins against several people with those lists and, you know, it took, took some lumps on one, a couple of those games, but did did better than average in the five practice games I was able to get. So uh, I was running U.S. Ariadna, and it was more of a thing like, okay, so here's my list for objectives, and here's you know a whole bunch of foxtrots everywhere, and you know a, a mixed U.S. ARF fire team with the Unknown Ranger and some Minutemen and some Marauders because I can just get like any skill or weapon I need in that team. You know, a couple of Desperados kind of thing. So that was a fun list, not necessarily a super powerful list, although I did quite well with it. And then my Frostbite list was just... It was ridiculous. I brought all the beef. I had the triple Blackjack Harris as well as a full uh, Minuteman core with the Unknown Ranger. So it was just as much heavy infantry as I could pack into one list and say, go forth into the center zone and dominate. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So my strategy on a lot of this was just you know looking at what the missions were, building for Frostbite, and then seeing where that list because it was very killy could apply to the other missions. Yeah, that was a very interesting list. I got to practice against that. That was tons of fun. Uh and I cheated against you when I when we played. So Yeah, I know. Uh, that's why you that, won. That's why I won. <laughs> because I took that same list against Zoka and tabled him. Yeah. <laughs> so it's full like tag list. Awesome. Yeah. yeah it was, that was a that was a, a a solid like back and forth game. That was crazy. Um, well, for me, I, um, I would say my prep wasn't much better than Ian. Uh, if I'm Frank, like I did get two, I I think I got a total of maybe like 11 games total of prep for the Krug. I was trying out Shazvasti. So I've talked about and, um, but for, for me significantly, I, six of those games came in the context of local tournaments. Like we've mentioned, we had two local tournaments beforehand, and um, I brought Shazvasti to both of those. They were designed to prep for the Krug, and I did okay in those. I think I finished third in both um, of those tournaments, and so I was feeling decent in that sense. And, but other than that, I didn't get a lot of other practice games, a couple with Ian and uh, a few other guys. 
Um, I designed, I came with two lists. One was an all camo list that I ran for almost, I was intending to run for all my missions except for Frostbite. Felt like I had to tune just for that. So I ran a Sphinx in my list for that. And I got actually like half my games was probably practicing with the Sphinx and that, that particular mission. Um, but as I've mentioned on the podcast, had I've just generally had a lot more fun with Shazvasti, uh, learning a lot about how they play, um, and I think this isn't very, this isn't like a novel um, observation. They definitely have a lot of teeth, but they're a little bit fragile, so they've got that kind of glass cannon dynamic where if it's if it's steam rolling for you it can feel really powerful, but there's a lot of finesse to how they play and they can certainly get, um, have it fall apart, uh, as you're watching. So that's yeah. always a weird, they're, they're not resilient at all. Andrew. So yeah. how, how, uh, how did it feel playing a glass cannon type of faction coming off of a previously, which is a very durable, just uh, tanky, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think what that's a great observation. I would say it feels like you're walking a tightrope. Like if you, if you hit it right. And if you like nail it, it can feel just as strong. But the, the nice thing about Aleph is all the, the, your ability to stack wounds and that just, and just resiliency in general. um, It evens out your variance. I think at least my experience. Now, some of that is also I've, played uh uh 11 games with Shazvasti whereas I've played 5 years with Aleph. So that uh, you have to factor that in too. I've got way more reps with Aleph, but um I th- but I wanted that. I wanted a different experience. I didn't want to just go to what I know. I wanted to try to test myself in a, in a different context and it certainly gave me everything i wanted it was it was a much different experience than when i was trying corregidor i just Mm -hmm. couldn't ever seem to get the engine going with corregidor and i've got some reflection on that i might bring up in a future podcast but um i what i liked about shazvasti is you have to make i didn't realize this in in theory but when i was playing i realized you have to make a lot of really crucial smart decisions all the way throughout the game and that makes for a really interesting play experience for me like i love infinity because it from my perception it generally rewards good decision making and that's what i want i want an interesting experience so does that kind of answer that question it does mm-hmm. so anyways um so going into the event then I didn't feel like awesome. I, I had no illusions like I was going to win the whole thing, but I thought I could probably place top 10, which is a general goal for me always at a, at a large event. And um, so, uh, yeah, it ended up being really fun. And then, gosh, just you show up day of and you see all your buddies and you get in your table set up. And, and at some point you just realize, okay, regardless of how the actual games go, this is going to be a fun weekend. So such let's get into those. He's <laughs> such a good feeling. So let's get into those uh, games then guys. I, I know we're not going to drown everybody 
with um, a play-by-play. What I'd like to hear from you is, as we re- recap the event itself, can you briefly highlight some of your games that anything of note or interesting that happened, especially if you've got anything that you learned from or have any t- takeaways from the event? I think that's what's most helpful for our listeners. So I want to start this time with Ian. Uh, we're going to go in reverse order. I'd like to hear from you on just briefly highlight your games. You said, I think you said you went two and three or three and two, something like that. So yeah, two and three. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it, it was a fun event overall. I got to play five fantastic opponents uh, for firefight. Um, you know, cause the first round is always random pairing. So I got paired up with, um, can't uh, remember his name right now. But he's one of the newer players from down in New Mexico and he was playing um, Invincible Army, running a Guija, you know, kind of stuff like that. And we were, you know, on this uh, kind of a like a weird, like, jungle-ish table. It was kind of cool. And I ended up beating him, like, 9 to 1. But it was a thing where... And I, I always enjoy doing this, and especially, like, it usually happens, like, the first round of a tournament, I get paired against somebody that's kind of newer. So I just kind of take it slow, and we treat it more like a learning game. So, you know, go over all the interactions. Here's what your options are. You know, things like that. Because at that point, it's like, yeah, I can just face stomp you and get the win, but neither of us is taking anything away from that. So I would much rather, you know, work with my opponent and go over, you know, the rules, interactions and things like that and and do a little bit more coaching in that kind of situation. And so I think that, you know, having done that, it was, it was a, a good, good game. I think, that, you know, he took a lot away from that and he had some other good games during the tournament as well. So that was a lot of fun uh, for quadrant control. I was running my Frostbite list as well for this. It was ridiculous. I was playing uh, Don from Wyoming, and very he was playing... Player. Oh, very good. Uh, he plays number six. <laughs> mm-hmm. He uh, he beat me. It was like seven to five, so it was a, it was a close loss. Um, so I did get some points for that, which is a big reason why like I was still getting ranked up against... Um, uh, a lot of the topper players over the tournaments because I was getting those close losses and still getting some tournament points. But that game was ridiculous. Uh, it was a situation like he throws Andromeda down and like goes after the blackjacks and the blackjacks just mow her down. Like he takes a double T2 crit like coming around the corner. Uh, like, like close and just in like, not even good odds on me, but I get him like, it's on sevens, double T two crit. She goes down. Uh, and then it's like, okay, it's my go. I go after he has a gamma out in the open. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to take out the gamma with the T two sniper. No gamma, like dodges, like puts down the T two sniper. And I'm like, all right, crap, like this sucks kind of thing. So I have to put like the unknown ranger and the team up into him. So I take that thing out. So we're just like trading like power pieces back and forth. And he goes and he kills my lieutenant. So I'm starting my second turn in loss of lieutenant. And I said, fine. I see how it is. And because that list has five command tokens. uh, (laughs) 
the Unknown Ranger decided to take care of this and that Turnabout was fair play. So he runs into the open, takes ARO's from six models. It's like two flash pulse spots, a um, Omega HMG uh, TR bot. There's like you know a couple other things. So there's like six models that he's taking arrows from, and one of these models is his Alpha. And I get up, you know, I'm up the stairs into line of fire with the Alpha, and he goes guard, and I went, oh really? You're gonna guard? Cool. I CC you back. Natural born warrior kicks in. I turn off your stuff, and I throw my T2 machete through your lieutenant's face. And then the unknown ranger tanks every save from all six arrows. Oh wait, so is is your takeaway that the unknown ranger's bulletproof? I mean, basically. And then he like spends an order and runs up and like starts ceasing other stuff because I made poor decisions in this tournament because we were having a side contest about, you know, highest total of CC kills over the course of the tournament to win a prize. Yeah. Let's talk about that later. I want to talk about that, which I did not win the prize, but I made stupid decisions to play that side game. Uh, so I do that and I'm like, okay. And then he goes again and his Omega like moves out and he opens up like unknown Ranger out of cover in the back Unknown Ranger tanks all the shots, gets out of cover, goes back to me. I like climb down off the building and I run around a corner to like take out. I need to take out one model to secure the win. Warcore long bomb shot across the table blinds the Unknown Ranger. <laughs> and both of us are just looking at the table like, holy crap, and like <laughs> laughing because it was just, it was ridiculous. We we're both having a great time. Um, Better to be lucky than good, I guess. Oh, dude. It was it was a fantastic game, and like I said, it, it came down to like a die roll for who was going to win. For sure, and that was fantastic. Yeah, that's always um, cool. So then, round three, decap was playing Ross from Utah. Ross is super fun. He was running um, Invincible Army as well, so that was interesting. Uh, we were playing on again more of like a jungle table here, uh, so I ran my. Uh, supplies list with more uh, camo and stuff like that and uh, going for the the win and I was like I was really pushing in on him and uh, you know like Desperado's going for the kills taking stuff out and he had a hack tau like real feel from hidden deployment comes out and I dodge a foxtrot into CC with it and I'm to hold it there and then I move in my fire team and the one guy in the fire team without stealth manages to to like just clip into because of the terrain clip into his own control and he dodges out of cc and he's able to light up the whole fire team with a nano pulsar and drop like three of the five guys and the foxtrot and that's what turned the whole game but i got that hack tau and cc with the unknown ranger and it was awesome so i got another cc kill like i said i made bad decisions but the game was hilarious and that was another close loss and he was like four six four to six or four to seven something in there it, it was it was still a fun fun game uh so we're running into round day two into supplies playing against uh matt uh, goes by jello from out in maine and uh he was ridiculously fun um but yeah he got to have some some harsh lessons uh he was playing nca running uh or not NCA. he's playing a, a contestamento that's what he's doing and which was exciting to me because 
I don't see them on the table that much. And he was running Bogmari and all these different units that like, I really, really enjoy. And so I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to, let's do this. And so, okay. Like T2 sniper, like, you know, tries to take out his sniper. Nope. He crits me and like puts a wound on me. And it's just like my couple of power pieces, like, you know, he just takes them out and I'm just like in ARO. And I'm like, fine. I see how this is. So I run a six point Desperado up one of his flanks into his back line, take out a couple models and park it there. And then he spends his entire turn trying to deal with this Desperado who just, instead of throwing smoke, just keeps dodging. So he'll have to keep wasting orders. And I just keep making the dodges until he finally says, screw it. And like goes after him with, you know, multiple things, but by that time I'm too close. So, uh, he got the Desperado, but the Desperado took out like three guys. And when we told it up after the game, it was like, Six point model took out like 130 points of his guys. It's like the worst feeling ever if you're on the short end of that one. <laughs> oh, like like one of uh, one another player uh, walked by because his game had already ended and he saw my desperado in the deployments and he goes, "Oh man, that sucks. Rough game, huh?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "Yeah, this is a guy, um, uh, Tony Santos. I played at Utah last uh, SLS that uh, I I beat him with the." my Cosmoflop barrel is so bad that like this year he came up and he goes, dude, I still have like, I, I have scars, like flashbacks to Nam. Like I, I'm, I'm still traumatized by that game. And I was like, sorry, dude, but thank you. <laughs> but, um, you know, playing against Jello and that was, a, that was a great one. I think I, I beat him. It was like 10, one, 10, zero or no, 10, one. He got it classified. Um, and then we get into the final game. This is frostbite. This is the mission. I'm probably the most practiced for, I've got my list specially for it and pairings come up and I am fighting against Rob Cobra prime. And I'm like, Oh, okay. This is gonna be fun. So he's playing Hassa scenes and we grow. I go up to the table. That's crazy. That's a crazy draw. You have two losses. Yeah. And, and, I, and I draw Cobra Rob. Prime. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's only taken a tie so far. Yes, exactly. And say this, like I've gotten enough points through like those close losses that I'm still hitting like a lot of those high pairings. Uh, so we go up to the table, and great dude, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, I win the initiative roll. I choose to go first. I'm like, I need to do damage. Like I just need to do damage. So he makes me deploy first on my on the side that he picks. And I, I know I'm like, man, this guy's going to fide me. He's got, you know, like, I'm, I'm just guessing like what he's going to throw at me. I'm like, okay, this is going to be kind of rough. So I'm super, super deliberate in like my deployments and my facings and who's prone and who's not prone and, you know, kind of thing. So that I got like guys covering other guys. So, I mean, you're not coming into my deployment zone and getting my guys without eating a whole bunch of crap. Like I got this. So he goes to his turn to deploy and he's looking at the table and I can kind of see a little bit of panic on his face as he's realizing that I have deployed in a way that he doesn't have a lot of places to deploy where I can't see him with at least one of my models. And I have a bunch of, you know, T2 sniper rifles and APHMGs and all kinds of like really nasty power pieces. And he's like, I think I picked the wrong side. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Like, it's going to be good. 
So you find, you know, working with him all that, we finally find some spots for him to put some stuff down. And, uh, of course he puts that fide down like right by the blackjacks. And I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Got this. And, uh, so I go, I'm like, I need to get some points, push up, grab one of the, the consoles to set up a zone. So I think I that, I got a point. Yay. And I'm trying to push in to, to get him. And he has this freaking mutt that will not die. And just keeps on like, you know, he's got the, the, the Emirat. you. Basically he reverse <laughs> desperadoed me. Um, and you know, they're in range. I was able to get a couple of his pieces and by pulling some angles and stuff. He didn't, um, see in his deployment, but I was able to move up into, and, but yeah, he desperados me. It's fine. It's fine. And, uh, he goes to his turn and he pulls that fide into the, the blackjack team. And like I said, I had that thing that's like so perfectly deployed that, uh, he comes in, he puts one wound on a single blackjack and just eats all the submachine gun fire from the fire team on the way in and dies. He's like, well, that didn't work. So he, you know, basically just uses everything else to wipe me off the board. He moves in with his, his Asawira with a bunch of stuff team and he has McMurrow cause he can be in Hasa scenes now. And, you know, he's just, just wrecking everything left, right and center. And I've got like a basic Minuteman left. Who's my Lieutenant. And I'm like, I can still maybe score some points, but I got to like, kill like one or two guys and maneuver away. And I wasn't able to do it. So he basically just tabled me. I think I had like 10 points left or something. And he accomplished all of his classifieds. Not only that, but he got the bonus points. So technically he beat me 12 points to one because <laughs> he did have two classifieds of bonus points, but it was just, it was a fantastic game. At no point was it like, was anybody like really feeling tilted about anything? Um, which was just super cool. And then after the game, uh, we were talking and he said, Hey, I have never seen a U.S. list like yours or played how you played it. Like that gave me pause. I really had to think about how I was going to overcome this. And And this is from a guy who plays not just tons of local, um, in real life tournaments, but he mm -hmm. plays tons of TTS too. Yeah. And like. I was like, no, dude, thank you. Like, you know, we chatted for a while afterwards about different lists and stuff. And like some stuff I was talking about, he was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And he, so he's like building some lists as we're talking Merovingia and he's like, Ooh, kind of thing. And which was just really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I felt that was like a really huge compliment coming from the guy that's currently sitting number three worldwide in the rankings. So it was just, it was just a great, like for having my teeth so absolutely kicked in, it was just one of the best games that I have played in one of those situations and just absolutely fun regardless. Sweet, sweet. So on to Devin. Um, Devin, how'd your tournament go? Give us highlights real quick. Yeah, it was it was a good time. I got to play, I think that four out of my five games were against new people that I haven't met before. So that's always cool to, uh, to see new faces. Some of them were uh, new to the Krug scene. Some were uh, a little bit newer to Infinity. Uh, some are very well versed in Infinity. I just haven't met face to face. So that was really cool. Uh, so my a firefight game in round one, 
was against uh, Alex from South Dakota, I believe. And he was playing Invincible Army. And I think that he ended up getting pinned down pretty heavily because one, we were playing on a table that was uh, jungle heavy. Uh, it was it was actually his table, uh, funnily enough, but it was a lot of jungle zones that they were I playing as saturation. Yeah, saturation and poor visibility. Minus six, right on the viz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Low viz is minus three. Poor viz is minus six. And uh, I had I had a marut, so I don't care about the difficult terrain or the. And I actually really like the poor viz. Uh, that and uh, he had forgotten that firefight lets all troopers basically get a uh, parachutist deployment zone. So there was a Garuda that started tearing up uh, some units in the backfield and then the Marut swinging around a flank. And so that was a little rough. I'm just just reflecting on it because I know that table. The mm -hmm. Marut's going to own that table. Like, just like. Yeah, that's a bad draw for our buddy here. Yeah, it was it was a little a little rough in that regard, though. Uh, I didn't get the lieutenant kill. I spent about five. I spent several orders and got five or six hits on the Dao Ying lieutenant and she did just did not go down. She didn't fail any saves, so I didn't get points for lieutenant kills. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I liked the table um, or no, I'm sorry, that wasn't Alex. That was his brother Isaac. I did play both of them this event, um, but I played Isaac round one and yeah, so that, that was that was fun. And then I played quadrant control uh, round two against Poly Nikes. Uh, he was playing vanilla combined and there was kind of a combination of factors, uh, not the least of which being poor decisions on my part, but, uh, I decided to double handicap myself because I have no fear. When I heard that, <laughs> like you double handicapped against Paul and Ike's. good call. Yeah, but I didn't want to go first. So there we were. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, so I deployed first and went second. And part of it was that the table we were on, there was a very large intersection in the center. So instead of height in the center and lower around the perimeter of the table, it was the opposite. Uh, so it was very difficult to move around the center. And I essentially needed to place my Marut in such a way where I could see the center of the board so I wouldn't get run over by... Um, by Taigas and Datrazi, and or actually he might have had Pratos instead of Taiga, I forget. Um, but basically, so all of these warbands wouldn't just swap my deployment zone. Um, but of course, there was a speculo killer that got in and did what speculos do, and you know, we, we not always, not always, that's true, it doesn't always happen, but uh, when it does, and it's a hundred points, and it's your lieutenant, and it's your long, your primary long range attack piece. That kind of spelled doom for me before yeah, I even that, started playing. That's bad news for sure. Yeah. And I mean, you just, you can't effectively stop impersonators from getting to the first place they want to go. Right. Um, it's, it's exceedingly difficult. Um, if you can reserve deploy after them, there are some plays you can do, but generally speaking, they're going to get to the one place they want to go. Usually you can kill them once they're there, but they're going to at least get that die roll off. It happened to be a critical. I passed one save and failed the other, and then I was in lost lieutenant um, because 
I don't need chain of command. It's a waste of points. But uh, yeah, and then at that point, it was a lot of trying to free up the center board. There was a HMGQ drone that I tried to appeal with um, with a post-human Mark II hacker. I got under its good range. It tanked the shots, and then uh, I took a wound and went into no wound and cap and tried to fall back. But I was outside of the zone, so he had captured the first three zones or three uh he captured yeah he captured three zones one, one of mine of course and so got the full points for that round and yeah, then once your maru goes down yeah and then i just couldn't really effectively get out of my deployment zone after that so we didn't really play much further than the second round because once he had scored all three again I'm like yeah it's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point You've got, even if I were to get my classified and the zones, you would still win. Uh, and I don't even see myself doing that. So we kind of talked through the last little bit. Um, but that was that game. And then Decapitation. Uh, decapitation was another one that was kind of odd. This one was with Alex from South Dakota. And this was a board that, after speaking with the uh, person who made the board, I believe it was Jonathan. Uh, it was this really cool like train board where there was this uh, kind of monorail system that was elevated that went across that sidewindered through the table. Um, but Very there open. was exceedingly open. Uh, even after they took all, I think the some of the organizers looked at it and they took the train cars off of the elevated railway. And set them uh, and scattered them throughout the table to try and fill out the table. It was still very, very open, uh, and so I was playing my other my Asura Parvati list instead of the Marut list on this one. And yeah, a lot of that was whose long range piece will take out the other long range piece first, because then you can move around the board. So I had my Dakini core running along the 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 monorail on. <laughs> At the top of the board, they managed to clear out some of the pieces there because he was playing uh, Toha, I believe. And at that point, there just wasn't a ton that he could move in with because um, I had kind of established board dominance at that point. Uh, I didn't get his lieutenant because he was tucked away in his deployment zone, and there was there were symbio bombs, and it was a it was a multi wound model. I think it was a Takiel. There were flamethrowers and eclipse in the room. You know, going in there would have killed basically whatever had gone in. And I just didn't quite have enough orders to get there, but cleared up most of the other things. Um, supplies was probably the game I learned the most from. <laughs> this was the, the other game that I lost. I played, uh, I played Nick uh, from our local meta, and he was playing... On the floor. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, and he was playing Akari Company, and there, uh, I had a Dakini core, and I was going after a Tonko missile launcher, and I had, you know, pretty decent odds on it. I had an outburst, outbursted, and higher ballistic skill, and I went to to fire at it, and my Dakini gets crit and blown entirely off the table when I have an engineer in that team, you know, less than three inches or about three inches away. Um, Further than template range, but it's Trishala, so she can move prone and get there and fix it. But there was nothing left of that Dakini. It was disintegrated. And then from that point on, I just forgot how to play Infinity. So that was great. 
<laughs> so I I get uh, at that point I kind of panicked and like oh well this shouldn't have been a terrible face to face roll and so I decide to on the other flank I try and move up the Asura and then I cripple myself at this point where I'm like okay there's too many things I can't afford to have her go too far and then I start pulling back so I should have and I talked to it with. Um, with Nick and I talked with Chainsaw and some people that were like right around that table when I was playing after the game. And I should have doubled down. I I should have moved into a better position where I was instead of wasting the orders to get there and then more or less wasting orders to get back. Um, but yeah, then Yojimbo came along and it took several orders but killed the Asura. Uh, Yuan Yuan's repeatedly dropped in my deployment zone and got rid of most guys. of the bikinis. Yeah, Yuan Yuan's are great. They're really solid units. Uh, I mean, they're not as order efficient as they once were, but they're yeah. still very, very good. Um, he actually runs the shotgun versions, which I think is very cool. Uh, yeah. It gives them a good face-to-face -face option and double templates. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair bit more expensive than the chain rifle, but I think that there's some good value there, and it, it made a lot of sense. But yeah, um, we were talking about it, and now, like I said, I, I made some poor choices, especially setting myself up for failure first turn. But yeah, we talked about it and it was brutal. The amount of times that I was missing face to faces, like, because like every time the Yuan Yuan's came in, they were close enough to uh, a Donatus that she was spotlighting them and she was getting it successfully. But then, okay, I have uh, a Rudra come around like, all right, I, you're impetuous. I'm in good range. You're targeted. So I need 18s. And I miss. Miss entirely with the full burst. And then it gets smoked down for good measure. And, you know, I'm flash pulsing with Parvati on 18s because, you know, uh, Tonko broke cover. Like you're rolling 19s and 20s or yeah. you're rolling low and no, he's no, no, just no. beating you? No, I'm just outright missing. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about it. And over the course of like just a handful of orders when I was doing stuff, He's like, I'm pretty sure that's the fifth or sixth twenty you've rolled in just this the first half of this turn. You need those for your armor safes. I know, right? And those those were not there. <laughs> so we we kind of talked through it a little bit, and at one point I'm like, this uh, it's getting real rough, Nick. I, I'm not sure what else I can do if none of these are going through because I had, like I said, plenty of of times where I had good odds. Or like uh, he was moving to get one of the boxes and supplies, and there was a Tonko that was wounded and it wasn't the fire team leader. It's in good range of Parvati. So she fires at it with a submachine gun needing 15s just misses entirely. I could have put down another, another guy to give me a little more breathing room. Just doesn't hit at all unopposed. And yeah, just stuff like that. Like, Oh, I try and launch the pictures gone. Nothing. So I guess my question would be, so when you say you learned a lot, are you say, like, is this a, a, the case of bad dice or is this a case of you feel like if you had had better dice, you could have pulled it back after some bad decisions? Like what, what was your learning through this? So the big thing for me was that I recognized that I got frazzled at the beginning of the game when that happened, when, you know, when I had that first, uh, you know, bout of bad luck, uh, losing my team lead off the table. And then I just started 
not actually panicking, but I was frazzled and not not thinking things through well enough. So I wasted several orders. Um, and that's that was the big learning experience for me was to it would have been better to just yeah, to just take a minute and look through the options again instead of thinking, well, this is all I can do at this point. I have to do this and it has to work. Um, so I I would not go as far as to say that if some of those dice rolls went my way, I would have won the game or anything like that. Um, I mean, I guess that's possible depending on which ones and how many, uh, but that's that's just speculation. And obviously we're playing a, a random game. Uh, but I would say that it was very impactful and that there were significant, there were a significant number of face-to-face and normal rolls where they were numbers in the high teens that just weren't landing at and then, all. And then that just seemed to compound your mental state. And so you're like, okay, right. I got to figure out how to get that under control. Yeah. Yeah. This pretty takes much. Me back to something that Nate would always say, take your ego out of the game. Sure. And so it kind of sounds like you were able to do that and noticed it. Uh, probably too late. <laughs> yeah. Like it got better later on, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it ended up throwing me off balance at the beginning, and then I just didn't really recover. Sure. And that just, you know, like Andrew said, that kind of compounded the issue where it seemed like, oh, well, I'm getting stuck. I need to do something else. But then that gets me more stuck because I'm wasting orders, either getting myself killed or not accomplishing what I was trying to do. And it just kind of kept rapidly digging deeper and deeper. Um, but then for my last game of uh, Frostbite, I played uh, Zach from Texas, and it sounds like uh, a number of a number of guys from Texas made it out, which was cool. Um, a, a decent chunk of their local scene was able to to make it from their North Houston area. I think they said uh, they said that they definitely wanted didn't want to be confused with South Houston. I remember that <laughs> explicitly. So some rivalry there, I guess. Or some bad implications. I'm not My sure wife's which. from Houston. I can verify there's rivalries. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so we were playing Frostbite. And it was a very close game overall. Uh, there was one point in particular where like, the Asura went on a tear. It was super cool. Like clearing out the midfield. Like There had been some bandits that were uh, taking the center consoles. She was able to clear them. There was um, a heavy infantry on a roof. I think it was a Diablo. She was able to isolate that. She moved up, killed the Diablo, moved over and uh, isolated the Gator and just had a really great run. And then as the turn uh, turns progressed, there was a point where I'm like, okay, well, I need to, we're playing a ground control mission. I need to kill the tag. But I didn't. I didn't need to. And I think that was so I tried to kill the tag with the Asura and she was topped off. And I had Parvati available. And so she goes to take shots at the gator out in the open, who's not in good range for its weapon. I'm in good range with the Asura. And I get crit with an explosive weapon again. (laughs) And she fails all her saves, even though she needed, you know, um, nines, I think something in that ballpark to pass. And I just needed to 
pass half of them, and I could have topped her off if I needed to. But so she died. I went into lost lieutenant, uh, and that was the difference that made me go fewer points. So I had he had more army kills, but I was able to dominate the zone, which I would have been able to anyway had I paid more attention. I I just had this moment where I'm looking at it like, okay, the tag can't die in the zone. That's a good chunk of points. But then I look at it like the Asura is almost as many points as a Gator, which is kind of silly when I think about that. But um, but yeah, she's only like four to six points less than a Gator. Actually, my, maybe not even that much. Um, and all I really needed to do was just wheel her back a little bit into the zone because I moved my Dakini team into the zone. And that was already quite a few points because the Rudra was in there as well. And so, yeah, I think that moral of the story for me was that there were several times where I overextended um, either by pushing too far or by how I deployed. And so those are things that really came back to bite me in some cases. Um, but I did end up winning that game because I got a couple classifieds as well. And it was really close. Uh, I think that was probably the closest in points. I forget the exact breakdown. Um, but I want to say it was like a 5-4, 5-2 game or something like that. But yeah, it was a really a really cool stretch of games. Uh, it was nice to see so many new faces. And yeah, it's just, you know, little lessons to take on for the next game. Okay, so we're on now to Ahsoka. Uh, but yeah. Bud, you did the best of all of us. Uh, spoiler alert, you finished third overall. Another good showing at another major event. You're making a name for yourself. I'd be curious to hear kind of yeah, some of your high-level observations. Uh, taking third beer. was very much something I wanted wanted to do. Like some were some were pretty high. I just need to find. Uh, I, I found that going into games, I have a really good confidence if I think I'm better than my opponent, and if I don't think I'm better than my opponent, I perform worse. And we'll get into that on game three. So for, for mm-hmm. game one in Firefight, I played uh, Jimmy Red, a local dude, and he is so much fun. Takes his ego completely out of the game. It was just very enjoyable. Um, not not really much to note um, in that game. In Quadrant Control game two, there is something that I found to be kind of something I, I hadn't prepared myself before. So I'm playing Morats, right? And uh, uh, Morats kind of mostly ignore the loss of lieutenant however in my list i have a lot of like robots um and stuff that does not does not have the veteran stat so in quadrant control i was dealing with i was playing against tony from utah and um he was playing oss he had a really impressive repeater coverage you know with our hackers and stuff and i'm playing two tags so i just lose to repeaters right um, and the table was not conducive to laying out uh, or to, to to moving up the Prada gang that I had. So what I did is I found like a, a side location to go. And the only person I could really like efficiently do it with was Kornak, my lieutenant. So I ran him up the side. I knew one of his camel markers was dart. I discovered dart, lit her on fire. I took. Uh, I, I let him tack bow me because I was like, I have BTS nine. It's cool. And it was cool. 
So he tack bowed me. Um, I think I took one wound from it and then I just ducked him around a corner and, you know, he's immune. He can't target me. It's all good. Um, so I just played really aggressive in that quadrant control with Kornak, placing him in the opponent's quadrant to, to score the point there. And I was going second. Yes. And it was, it was crucial and 100% what, what won me the game. Um, now we go to game three and I'm playing against Pauly Nikes. He was the only loss that I took. And in that game, I think the biggest, most important, well, there's a couple of things. So we, there was a mispairing, uh, or a mistabling, I guess. So me and him walked up to one of the tables and I walked up to that table confident. I was like, oh, I can win this table. This list that I have against Pauly Nikes and what I'm pretty sure he's running for decap, I got this. I was so hyped about it. And then, like, you're at the wrong table. So we walk over to this corridor. I remember yeah. because they reshuffle or they reshuffled the yeah. tables and everyone had to move one yeah, over. We ended up with I remember like that. two yes. pairs okay. got put on the same table. So, like, below a certain number or above a certain number, they had everybody mm-hmm. had to shift over one. So we did that. And we walked up to this yep. corridor table and I was like sweating bullets. I was like, oh no, I don't my <laughs> lists can kinda take take this, but not with what I'm I know he's fielding. So I was like, I was stressed. And then we talked about the game. And something important that you need to know when talking to your opponent um, or when your opponent is talking to you is to be very clear on what your intention for the table is. So we had said that in this corridor table, there are roofs so that you cannot climb over the roof. And looking at the table makes perfect sense. I'm all about that. But what I did not think about, what the, we did not communicate, is there's a roof there, so you cannot combat jump into the corridors. I was under the assumption that you could, um, because otherwise you can't play the table with combat jump. And he was under the assumption that you couldn't. So we came to a situation where I was going to drop in my Rossiat and we had to call a judge because that wasn't because, you know, we were on opposite sides. Judge ruled in his favor and one of us was getting screwed in that situation, regardless of how it was ruled. Because if, if they ruled in my favor, I would have just very easily taken advantage of the situation we were in because he wasn't prepared for it. Um and then alternatively, like, you know, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So just make sure to be very clear with your opponent on, on the table. Um, in game four on supplies, uh, nothing, nothing real a whole lot uh, of note there. I played against Ed, super sweet dude. He was playing Toha. Um, Rindex did a whole bunch of work. Well, actually, really, it was the Yaogat multi-snipe rifles. I think they're a little overtuned, but, you know, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, it was sweet <laughs> double action like, HMGs. I move here, kill your thing. I move here, kill your thing. All right, have fun. Um, but game five um, was just surgical. It was against a local player that um, is new to our scene, and I'm very excited for him to play because he has a lot of hot take opinions about the meta that much of our local meta 100% disagrees with. Just completely. It's a very um you might yeah. say internet mindset so yeah he plays a lot of tts yeah. 
I mean, that's been the bulk of his gaming experience until this tournament. And he he made sure to mention that looking at the TTS and in person is different. It's a very different experience. Yes. So I played that game surgically. It was I'm not sure I made a mistake. Um, and something of of note is, you know how when you're playing with a power piece and you take it up to the midfield and then you want to save like three orders to bring it back. Well, I brought the Raicho to the midfield, cleared out some targets, did what I needed to do. And then I just pushed it into the corner of his deployment zone because that was the safest place on the board for him to be. And it was when I did that, I was like, holy cow, this is next level. We were playing frostbite. So we needed to, control the middle and i was just like we don't need to control the middle until turn three and i'm gonna put him park him in your deployment zone and it was i don't know it was something that was enlightening you gotta now your opponent has to dig it out but then they're not moving into the middle of the zone if they move into the middle of the zone now you're counter punching with a tag on in in a in a kind of a pincher i mean that's how i'm interpreting you're 100 right I like to look at the I like to approach games in a way that you've kind of taught me, Andrew, where you go in from the sides and kind of like mm-hmm. fo- force your opponent into the center where you can deal with it. And that game, not even close. And like what you did there by moving into the DZ is you shifted the board, right? So he got he set up playing in a two-dimensional way where he's playing forward and back with you. And then by you collapsing a flank and then moving into his DZ, now he's got to work laterally to contest your power yeah. piece. And I think another another thing that I want to touch on on that game, we'll we'll probably get into the minutia of this in hopefully a future episode. But another reason why I moved the Raichu in that position is so I can kill his free biker. Because if I didn't kill that biker, it was going to run through my game. <laughs> That's so great. It's good. Good. Bikes will do that. Well, I mean, listen, to Jean-Pierre's credit, he did finish top 10. I think he finished 10th overall. Yeah. So he, even though he came with like hot takes all over the place, he did uh, show up go, going three and two and, and helping Colorado take home the trophy. So um, if he ever ends up here in this podcast, kudos to you, dude. Just doesn't just some of your ideas are just wacko, but that's okay. <laughs> you know it. All right. Um, well, that's really good, uh, Chris. I'll just briefly touch on mine too. Um, so I my first game, I got paired up with Bryant from Texas. Very good player. Been around a long time. Apparently, like l- late and and one kind of been around that long. And he was running O12, and I like I was running Shazvasti, and um, just like you know what, when you get two good players playing, it's can it's so interesting and fun because you both play fast, but you also play really technical, and and you there's a lot of communication, and if you're used to it, um, it it can if it, at least I found Bryant to be easy to talk through with. There were a lot of different challenging interpretations or and we didn't get bogged down we found ways to accommodate each other what i thought was interesting about the game was we ended up 
even though he was, I play fast. I know I do. And he clearly plays fast too. And yet we ended up with only 10 minutes for our third round. Be, and that just should speak to like how technical our game was. Like it was a competitive, challenging game. There's some, both of us got unlucky in some crucial points. I could certainly point out some areas where I think I could have turned it around. Um, but I ended up losing and it, the score was like eight, one or something like that. So I ended up losing bad, but like the game itself was like super competitive and good. And, and I, 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 I walked away with it from that with a loss, but I didn't, it didn't, it didn't sting, you know, like it felt like a good, of just a really good game. So at that point I'm submarining cause I took such a hard loss. And so then I'm coming up through the ranks and I'm playing people that probably aren't as good as me frankly so um so i'll just i'll just kind of highlight that um in the next two missions it was uh, quadrant control and decap well shazvasti is just really freaking good at those two missions like just really good and unless you are a veteran player that knows how to counter their stuff you're gonna have a hard time because quadrant control i can go second I can dominate the zones from the beginning and I can just pick and choose and always move into the zone I want. And then the same way decap, I was running in my all camel list. I was running two um, speculos and, um, and so I was able to eliminate the, the HVTs and, and also the Lieutenant pretty, pretty easily. So, um, that's like one of those things where I was just really, I felt the power of Shazvasti in this mission. It was also just a brief side comment before the tournament. Uh, I w- was sharing notes with, um, with, uh, Mike Klein from New Mexico, another top level player. And he was running Shazvasti too. So I sent him my lists and they, and the two lists that we both were running, they were eerily similar. Like, the only like the first list was really really similar the all camo one, and then the second list the frostbite list with the um, sphinx. I ran a noctifer. He was running uh, shishkin, but like again, just very similar list. So it was kind of interesting to see how two different players were still kind of reading Shazvasti in a very similar way. Uh, I think Shaz, I think Shaz was. Uh, also showed up with um, Nassim. Is that is yes. that his name? Nazim. Uh, Nazim, and he yeah. ended up. He's a listener of the podcast. He ended up doing really well from from California. Mm-hmm. Um, so Shaz definitely has some teeth for sure. Um, was that boarding Shiskin, by the way? Since we were talking frostbite, yeah, it was the, the heavy oh, infantry. You, you I think light, so. The heavy. Yeah, yeah, the boarding boarding action yeah, Shiskin. I think so. That's cool. She's got such a sweet model that doesn't make it onto the table often enough. Yeah. So, anyways, I was really sad though because I kept getting for rounds three, four, and five. I was like, me and my Klein were right next to each other in the rankings, and like we kept not getting paired against each other. And we were <laughs> like, "Ah, oh, it's gonna happen this time," and then it didn't happen because he's so much fun to play. Yeah, he's just a good dude. Um, okay, so then just to kind of final, kind of sum- summarize my last two games, supplies. Again, I like Shazvasti in this mission. I like all the infiltrators. And even though you have a, a DZ, 
or a exclusion zone. There's just still ways of getting on to. Is there not an exclusion no. zone? Oh, I was thinking of the other one. So, anyways, I like Shazvasti in this mission just because of all the infiltrators. Uh, they're able to get up on like with minimal order expenditure. So I could play a waiting game. I ended up playing Nathan Faint from um, from Arizona, another really good player and just clean player. Like, gosh, when you play these top guys that know how to play the game, it makes for a, an easy experience. Yeah. At least that was for me. Uh, it's just, it's one thing that I've noticed is playing good players who know your models and know kind of like what they do, like super clean and allows for room to make more in-depth tactical decisions. Holy. And also like just the way I kind of play is I don't, I'm not too gamey about hiding stuff. Like if someone is getting, I just, they're going to know if they're good enough, they're going to know. Yeah. Right. And if they're not good enough, it's not fun to like surprise so what's the point right so um yeah again another competitive game i was able to like just play pretty cagey he grabbed a supply early in the first the first turn but i was going second and i put him i put a lot of pressure on him and then my last two my, my last turn i was just able to grab the other two boxes and just secure the win that way um so I really enjoyed that game. Um, and then, uh, or maybe I'll just add this on uh, when Nathan and I were talking it through, he kind of used the map in such a way to like, there was a clear corridor that he could take to protect himself as he approached the middle of the board, but it also kind of hemmed him in. It boxed him in and telegraphed, where he was coming from, I was able to spread out with my forces. And so he couldn't apply force to uh, centralized areas. And it was labor intensive to get around the board as a result. And then it creates a little bit of a sheep in the pen situation where it's just easy to like, you get a, a power piece close and they can just start picking things off. And I think in hindsight, he would look back on that and, and spread out his Harris and his core. He was running Hawk Islam and uh, Assassins. And uh, so, yeah, great game with him. And then my final game, this was the only game that was kind of rough because um, all the games were played well. At that point, I'm sitting there three and one. I feel like I'm knocking on the door of being at the top five, probably honestly if i if i win well and um i played jason waller from uh, wyoming played him several times and he was running vanilla nomads and he brought all the power pieces like if you think of like his his list was brimming with all the optimized stuff like start listing off the things that you think vanilla nomads are going to bring and that was it and he had them yeah so he had Uberval Uberfall Commando. He had Jazz. He had a Liberto. He had a Gator to dominate the middle of the zone. He had Nauf. He had a couple Jags. He had an Engineer. He had like everything was just tuned to like be the best version. And it was on the board that you were talking about, Devin, the jungle board. 
which was deceptively mm-hmm. actually open because all the jungle terrain you could see through just at a minus six. So it's actually, right. I had a hard yeah. time deploying. I wanted to go second, but I had a hard time hiding everything without keeping those Uber fall off of me. So then I'm bringing out my Noctifer early so that it'll blow up the Uber fall, but you know, they've got total immunity. So I did put all of them, but the actual, um, spearhead to, um, so I was holding that off and then Nauf takes out um, my Noctifer because he can re- he's able to reposition. So it was already starting to crumble for me a bit, but I realized, okay, what's my win condition here? It's not going great, but he's only got that tag and to dominate the middle of the zone. He had no other heavy infantry. He had no, no other tags. So I make a dash with my Speculo across the board. And, um, he's discovering me on my way in and I deployed, um, on my side of the board, at, uh, outside of the, cause I just wanted to be able to rack. I wasn't, I wasn't going to be able to put it near him. He had just defended too well. So I make a dash across the board and the, the second to the last order before I get into the, um, base to base, he discovers me for the second time revealing me. So I move into base to base with the tag and I'm like, this is the game for me. <laughs> like, This is the game. I hate that it came down to this, but it was already followed away, uh, kind of unraveling for me. Of mm-hmm. course, the gator has born warrior. Natural born warrior, warrior, warrior and CC attack minus three. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like it becomes a coin flip. So at this point. was like a tw- the gator... 50, 50. Yeah. And I rolled a three. And that and he blows yeah. and I blow up. Like if I take out his gator, he has even as good as he was doing, he was doing great. I take out his gator, it it becomes very tough for him to win. But mm-hmm. and then gosh, I tell you what, man, Lobertos, I know everyone knows they're good, but I had <laughs> one run up on my engineer, my my Caliban engineer, and just stand there next to it and then go dis- I discover. What do you do in that situation? You cry. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so what do you do? I'm curious what you guys do. I've got my Caliban engineer hiding behind a thing. A Liberto runs up because the Noctifer's gone. So it's got free reign of the board. It runs up on the engineer and, de- and then declares discover. As a second short skill or first? Aren't they as, short, as the first short first. skill. I... I don't know. It's whip 12 and it sounds like you have cover and mimetism and it's I don't in have good cover. Range. Oh, he gets you out of cover. Mm-hmm. So, so he's, he's discovering 12s. me on 12s. Yeah. And the engineers got what a submachine gun yes. on the Caliban. Yeah. I dodge you dodge. Yeah, I guess I feel, I don't know. I feel like Wait, I, is there a place that you could go would probably just no, um, you just template him. Yeah, he's got me in the open. I would, I'd probably not declare. You just, just eat it. Let him try. And it. if he discovers, yeah. then you you take two templates. Yeah, I mean, if it's it's a, it's you either are best case and it can't touch you that turn, or you die. So yeah. What do you do, Ian? I want you on the record. <laughs> uh, Roll the dice. <laughs> see if you just dis- see if they discover. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, whip 12 is not like, I mean, given the circumstances, that's about as low as you're going to get with any model. Like, yeah, I mean, that's still a 40% chance that you're good for the turn. Well, I didn't do that. I dodged. You died. I died. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cause it hit you. I freaking the, uh, the eight point model kills the 30 point model like that. Yeah. Liberto. I, I do not like Liberto. Oh, I think Liberto. I, yeah, I mean, that's another discussion for another time, but <laughs> yeah, I, I do not like them in the game. So anyways, he makes a run on my lieutenant. Um, it, 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 just, it just all went bad. It just all went bad. Right. And I ended up getting tabled very bad. Uh, he just, and he rightfully, uh, I think he finished eighth overall, uh, played great. It's best he's ever played with, uh, when I've played him and, um, so oh, I don't think we mentioned it, it was, but uh, Poly Nikes did take first again. So following yeah. uh, Rose City Raid <laughs> tournaments, that's a that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like that's that's not easy to do. Yeah. So and just because it can't, I'm sure it'll come up at some point. Uh, Gators don't actually have CC attack minus three. That was me misremembering. Yeah, but it was a, still a 50 50. Yeah, they're, 20. They're, well, yeah, it was your 23 I'm versus 22, 20 or something. I'm 22. 22. He's 20. You know, it, yeah, totally. So, anyways, that's right. Uh, top ten um, with armies for the event: Paul Nikes with combined, Cobra Prime, Assassins, Azoka with Morats, Nazine with Shazvasti, Claudius Soul. That's Bryant that I talked about. O twelve, um, Shivan Rage. That's Dawn. O twelve, uh, Chainsaw uh, with JSA, Killer Whales. That's Jason with Nomads. So Wyoming showed up pretty good. Um, DT Junkie, Shazvasti, and then Dre from Colorado, uh, Imperial Service, ISS. So there is the rundown, guys. Uh, we could have got into um, a lot of other stuff with the events, uh, uh, the after-hour stuff. There's just a lot of fun. So much fun. Chicanery <laughs> that goes on with people playing Street Fighter tournaments oh. and and social deduction games and so good <laughs> it just yeah. there was just um the food um was fine <laughs> a lot fine. of drinks right um anything you guys want to just shout out real quick related to the after hours stuff i oh yeah so we got to play this game called blood on the clock tower it's a kickstarter social deduction game that terminal organizer so mark rebus brought and uh it's like you know, there's like it's like a murder mystery kind of thing, and everybody has a different role. And uh, I was the fortune teller, like mafia and werewolf, yeah, and, and I, like I was that. the fortune teller role, so I could like get secret information that like about who might be the bad guy. Um, but you're not allowed to tell, like, reveal your role. And uh, yeah, they're long, long, long time Infinity player in Colorado. Rob Brock was there, and he was pouring ridiculously disgusting uh high alcohol shots <laughs> into me so i got i'm proudly proud to say that i was um semi-drunk and belligerent and i was just screaming at everybody <laughs> uh, you know in obscenities and it was it was ridiculous was and, so and then i got fun. i got i got murdered really and it was fun oh i was really into it <laughs> okay well uh i'm gonna save your save your other anecdotes for our final thoughts but we're going to wrap up here because we've gone a little long. So before we get to our final thoughts, we want to remind you 
of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a number of benefits such as access to extra content and hundred uh, percent of any funds gets put right back into the podcast. So find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as a link to our discord channel. And speaking of discord, come join our community here on discord. We uh, love to kick it around. You're going to always be greeted by Devin. I guarantee you. And uh, super supportive of everything that happens in Infinity, including the hobby aspect as well. Got some really good painters doing their their thing on the Discord. So with that said, let's go Devin, Azoka, and Ian. What are your final thoughts? Devin first. Yeah, I, I would say that for people that are uh, worried about competitive games or competitive environments or large tournaments, uh, Obviously, this will vary from from group to group, but generally speaking, I think it's very much worthwhile to step outside your comfort zone a little bit and go to those sorts of things if you're normally not inclined. Like that's something that uh, you know that's a position that I personally was at for a while, where you know I just didn't really want to do that. And part of that was on the back of of other games where you know some people made things a less fun experience, but. Any tournament, tournament or similar Infinity event that I've been to, uh, it's been a great crowd. People are overall very, very good opponents. Uh, I've had very few mishaps in these sorts of things, and you know, it's it's definitely worth coming out. Uh, plus, for those of you that are able to make it to the Krug, uh, most, if not all, of us make it there, so it'd be a good chance to meet. And I know uh, Chris is running the circuit as well, so if you're in other places in the U.S then uh, you might see Arizona him. is next. So. Yeah. So make it out to those events. It's a great time. It's a good way to get a bunch of games together. It's like a big infinity party. It really is. And yeah, I mean, what's what's better than that when you're when you're into this hobby, right? And I would say, Devin, your drink of choice is the old fashioned, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy old fashions, especially six dollar old fashioned. <laughs> All right, Azoka, final thoughts. Uh, like Devin saying, step out of your comfort zone. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, step out of your confidence zone. That's something that I need to learn to tackle. Is just figure out how to walk up to the table and not and and have confidence mean nothing. We'll get there. We'll get there. Ian, final thoughts. So big thing with a lot of these tournaments is it, it's like we we talk a lot about the competitive aspect but to be honest like equally as important with these big tournaments is the social aspect and uh, for me in particular with this Krug the my performance was secondary to being able to come to an event have a lot of fun play a bunch of people you know, drink and carouse and just have a great time and not deal with kind of like all of the, the nightmare crap that's been going on outside of infinity. And this was one of the absolute most fun tournaments that I have been to. Uh, and I've been to quite a few now and just because like, you know, players that I meet at every tournament 
are there and we got to hang out and even if we didn't play like great conversations you know we're, we're splitting off into groups and going out to restaurants and eating afterwards or playing other games and things like that and it was just like Devin said a great big infinity party and that social aspect of it is equally as compelling a reason to go to these as the actual games of infinity. Absolutely. I would say, in fact, as I've moved into like this community more and more, one of the things that's so exciting about it is because it's our community is built around a game. It's generally draws people who like to play games. And so they're Mm -hmm. into lots of games and everyone likes to play lots of games. That's a really fun hang actually. When you, when you got a bunch of people that love to play games. So, Hey, we want to thank everybody who listens to the podcast and who came up and said hi and greeted us and, and, and said kind things and um, mentioned that you listen or cool comment it. or, or something. Yeah. That's it's really gratifying. It's easy for us to just feel like we're just doing this thing with ourselves, <laughs> but uh, it's nice to have you guys all. Um, acknowledge and recognize it. And then I just uh, speaking of recognition, I'd like to acknowledge and recognize Melissa, the fifth wheel in our group here, because she ended up, like we mentioned earlier, finishing higher than three of the four members of the team. Uh, she's a preeminent Toha player. And I just want to give her a shout out on this podcast so that I can get myself out of the shit list with <laughs> her and back where I belong at the top. So on that note, this has been Andrew, Devin, Zoka, and Ian. And that's the meta. <laughs>